0: You are listening to Purgatory with Dr. Michaela Darkson. I am chasing butterflies running naked through a field of flowers.
1: Everything is Thank you for tuning in to Purgatory with Dr. Michaela. I have a very special guest today. Her name is Dr. Darnisha Carter, she is a board certified dermatologist. Now, if you listen to the second episode of Purgatory with Dr. Michaela, you know that I did a, a, a podcast interview with a ton of beautiful black female doctors. Well Dr. Carter is one of those doctors and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself Dr. Carter.
0: Hello everybody. Thank you so much Dr. Michaela for having me on your podcast today. It's such a pleasure to be here. So um, yes my name is Dr. Dornicia George Carter. I'm a dermatologist board certified here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. My practice is mainly based out of Plano. Uh, I am also the the mother of two children. I'm the immediate past president of the CV Roman Medical Society, which is the local chapter of the National Medical Association. And uh, yeah, I keep myself busy as far as where I come from and where I've been. So as a military child, I've moved around quite a bit, but I ended up going to school in upstate New York at Cornell University. And I moved down to Houston because it was too cold in New York and went to Baylor College of Medicine for my medical school training and my residency training. I was the first Black resident in the Department of Dermatology there, and so it's a pleasure to be part of this group and to, to be the, hopefully, the standard bearer for uh, the dermatologists that have come through Baylor since.
1: So I'm, in essence, uh, in essence I'm talking to Black history. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you know what I want to talk to you about. Hair, 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 hair. Hair is a hot topic. Yes, it is. And right now, our edges, you know, we, you know, we get these, we wear wigs. I don't wear wigs, but we, ladies, especially black women, we wear wigs. We get great styles. We get weaves and we get, you know, sew-ins. We get the, (laughs) the hair glued in and whatnot. But what we see a lot is that we lose the hair around our edges. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what do you call it? tension alopecia, traction alopecia. How many alopecia names do we have for that? Well, yes, alopecia is such
0: a nebulous term. A lot of people come in, they like, they say, do I have the alopecia? And alopecia just means hair loss. And so there's lots of different types of hair loss. The one you're referring to, it has multiple names. So there is traction alopecia, tension alopecia, marginal alopecia, and they all refer roughly to the same thing that the, the margins or the edges of the hair are being pulled. And, and uh, the, the longer that you pull on those edges, whether it's by uh, doing a, a, a tight style like cornrows, or an even tighter style like cornrows, and then you put crochet braids on it, or you braid them up in, in individual box braids, those things can, can rub out those edges such that they, they eventually decide not to grow back. Early on, if you leave them alone, they'll grow back and your edges won't be so snatched. But uh, if you let them grow or if you keep doing it, then eventually your ha- the hair follicles are going to just, just say, no, I'm not going to
1: grow. I'm done. So when is, is, when is the best time? When, well, the best time to see you is immediately. But what's, when is it too late to see you to get something done about those snatched edges? Well, I think that
0: the biggest thing is be gentle with what you have. You know, if you abuse it, you will lose it. So, and that applies to almost anything in life. So I say the earlier, the better. Once you start noticing there's a problem, especially if it's a consistent problem and it's getting worse, then come on and seek the the advice of a board certified dermatologist and one who understands your hair. So um, it's I see a lot of people who have said, well, I, I went to so-and-so and they told me to wash my hair with this shampoo every day. And that just doesn't work for Black women in general. So you want to go to somebody who understands what's going on. But the earlier the better, because sometimes time is hair and hair follicles. So the longer you wait, you may have a hair floss type that the hair follicles are not going to grow back, and you don't want to wait six years down the line while you're trying to cover it up with a sew-in or braids or a comb over, and then by the time you get to me, there's very little I can
1: do. But what about the growth cycle? So I say, say I've noticed it. Okay, my hair is thinning. Mm-hmm. I know I need to see a doctor, <laughs> but what 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 is a growth cycle like for hair?
0: So all the the first thing to know is that all of our hairs are not in the exact same phase at all times. Uh, This is actually the principle that underlies why you have to go through multiple rounds of laser hair removal, um, because all the hairs are not growing up at the same time. But with all the hairs on our body, we don't molt. So some of the hairs are in an active growth phase. Some of them are in a rest phase and some of them are, are loosening up and getting ready to fall out. The longer your active growth phase, the better or the longer your hair can potentially grow. So in that active growth phase can be anywhere from, you know, it can be as low as two years, it can be usually around six to seven years. And then the rest phase is just a couple of days and then over the following three to five months, once it enters that rest phase, the next thing it's gonna do is fall out. So um, you can look at hairs on your body, like your eyebrows versus your scalp hair, your eyebrows don't grow that long. The, the length of that growth cycle is much shorter than say it is for your
1: scalp hair, which might grow down your back. What is a typical treatment for a person who comes to you, who's going to say edges a snatch. We all know what they've in our community. For those of you who don't, it's just you lost the hair around your, the edge of your head. <laughs> so what's the typical treatment like for a person who's trying to grow that hair back?
0: Well, the first thing is trying to figure out what is snatching your edges. So <laughs> so if you, uh, you know, if it's something that you are doing, then you really have to stop it. And unfortunately, in the, the black community, our hair is our crown. Or This is just a feature of women in general. Our hair is our crown. And it's one of the the features that we use to define ourselves, that society uses to define us as a woman. And so a lot of times when we see our hair falling out or not looking the way that we want it to, we try to replace that with a protective style. And those protective styles, especially in the black community, are often ones that add add traction or add tension to the edges of the hair. So we have to really reduce that tension. So watching out for the the braids, they should not hurt y'all. The hairdresser should not snatch your edges. So if they pull on them and pull them tighter, that's not going to make your style last that much longer. So don't let them do it. So um, that's the first step is just reducing that tension and looking for other little insidious types of tension. It might be you're tying your, your hair bonnet or your, uh, your scarf at night really, really tight and it's rubbing on your edges. It might be that you're using a um, a, cotton, a cotton uh bandana to tie your hair down and you know that's rubbing up against your pillow and causing that friction so you want to really look at what all the different sources of the friction are that are pulling your hair out other things that we do here in the office once we look at it and we see okay are there hair follicles left I very frequently give a topical steroid and steroids are intended to reduce inflammation on the skin The goal is to try and reduce that inflammation, therefore the hair is allowed to grow grow in a more healthy fashion. And we see that that tends to work really well in what we call acute situations. You just had your your braids taken down and you might see an improvement there. And so, um, but yeah, we do injections of steroids as well. Another thing that works well is minoxidil. And minoxidil you may better recognize as the, the brand name is Rogaine. But minoxidil comes in a number of formats, and uh, people first thing almost everybody says is oh, Rogaine. Am I going to have to use that forever? Well, this isn't the type of hair loss that mandates that you use it forever. I usually tell people try it for three to six months. If you get some good hair growth back, and you know, then great. You can maybe try you know continue using it for another of months. But if you don't get hair growth back, it means those hair follicles have just turned off. But those are the the mainstays of treatment that I use. Some people also ask
1: about, oh yes, go ahead. Okay. Foams work. I know minoxidil comes in a foam. Are are the foams better to use? So the issue
0: with foams is a lot of times they're formulated with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So um, that can dry out your hair and now your hair breaks off. And even if the hair is growing out of your scalp, if it's broken and short, it's going to look thinner than it normally is. So most of my patients will use the liquid, which sometimes also has different alcohols in it, but it's a little easier to to maintain the moisture with that than with the foam. So, but the big thing about Rogaine and Minoxidil is that you don't want it to drip onto your face because I have seen people where their hairline connects to their eyebrow because that, <laughs> that minoxidil starts to drip down. Um, so I, I do tell people, use whichever
1: format you think you can keep in place better. Okay. So what about, I've heard of people using um, antifungals mixed with like olive oil or something like that, and they swear that it'll make their hair grow.
0: Well, mixed in olive oil, you're just diluting your product. So I think you are actually reducing any effect that it might have, however little it may be. I don't feel like it's the strongest thing. I have told patients, hey, if you wanna use you know, monostat or Miconazole or Clotrimazole, go for it. But it's generally not the first thing that I recommend. The first thing I always recommend is you have to get rid of the tension and then we gotta reduce that inflammation to see if we can get that hair to grow back. But yeah, it's something you
1: can try. It won't hurt anything. Okay. but does it work? Does it really work? If, if, if I go and say, oh, gee, I had a yeast infection, but I got a little bit of this yeast infection medicine left over. I'm going to put it on my scalp. Is that going be- to work? Honestly,
0: <laughs> I think that it's kind of fallen out of favor as something to recommend. Um, so I don't recommend it that often. It's just something that, you know, if you want to try something extra, you've given everything else to try, go for it. But I don't think that it works very well. So, but I have some patients who swear by it. Hey, doesn't hurt
1: anything. Go for it. Now, what about these potions that claim to grow your hair? You have the—I know one big thing is this hairfinity stuff, and there are certain types of oils that they put on the scalp. Do the oral things work? And well, let's start with that, and then I want to talk about oil in the scalp too. Sure. What do you say about these? These potions that are supposed to grow your hair. So with reference
0: to these hair vitamins and supplements that you ingest, I think the the thing that is being targeted is that is just general growth. Hair is an ancillary service that your body provides for you. It doesn't have to be there. So if your body is low on certain nutrients, then it will put its energy into maintaining the necessary processes of your body, like keeping your heart beating, as opposed to growing hair. Does that make sense? Yes. So uh, that's what these hair vitamins are targeting. And so they may have in their iron or they have trace elements like silica or, um, or they'll have uh, zinc in them. And those things may ha- help with hair growth. A big p- part of it is usually biotin. We used to recommend biotin pretty frequently. However, biotin can cause some abnormalities where it looks like your thyroid is not functioning very well. And appropriate thyroid function is essential for for healthy hair growth. If your your thyroid is under-functioning, then you tend to have dry, brittle hair that breaks off. So And it grows more slowly. So we don't want to use these hair vitamins and and try and fix one problem and create another. So in just the the community of dermatologists, we tend not to recommend biotin-based supplements
1: as much as we used to. Okay. So what about um, oiling our scalp? Um, We're talking about you know, some people don't have dry, well, dry scalp, dandruff, dry scalp, or mm-hmm. we, well, we've grown up thinking that we need to oil our scalp. And I have very dry, dry. I have oily skin. My face is oily, but my my hair, my scalp is dry. I don't have dandruff, but I mean, it's just dry. Mm-hmm. So that's an excellent question. So
0: the first thing to know about our hair is obviously our hair is very curly, and so, but. Other races and backgrounds, their hair is much straighter. The reason why many of them have to wash their hair more frequently is because the oils travel down the shaft of the hair more easily because it is straight. Our hair, we often have to add oils and add moisture to the hair because the oils that our scalp produces, does, uh, they do not travel down the length of the hair. And so we don't get that benefit. That's why we have to add it on there. Now, if you come across an oil, you know, there's all kinds of great advertising, like Do Grow, remember my grandma recommending that um, years ago, (laughs) or Dr. Miracles, I hear a lot of Dr. Miracles. So the advertising is strong here, but really it's just moisturizing the, the fiber of the hair such that it's less prone to breakage. Applying oils to the scalp generally isn't necessary, especially for us, because the oils that our scalp produces end up staying close to the scalp anyway. So it generally is not necessary to, to oil the scalp. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that when you have a lot of people will have dandruff and they see the flakes that the scalp produces and they think, oh, well, my hair is dry or my scalp is dry. I need to add oil. I need to add oil. Dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis is due to a yeast that's on your skin and your body's defense mechanism is to get rid of the yeast by making it flake off. Uh That yeast grows by using the oils on your scalp. So if you give it more oil, you are actually compounding the problem. And when you see those flakes, if you take the flakes and get enough of them and press them between a piece of paper or two pieces of paper, you'll find that it leaves an oil spot. And that's because the flakes actually are oily. You, It's a it's a common misconception that, oh, oh, my scalp is dry. No, actually, you're producing plenty of oil, probably even too much of it, and you might be adding to the issue.
1: Okay. I want to know, regarding hair, hair care, what's your biggest peeve? I know for me as a podiatrist, when I look on Facebook, and I see these advertisements for these socks that... Uh, that um uh, correct hammer toes or bunions or some splints. Um uh, they they'll show a severe bunion deformity and if you wear the splint then you'll have a straight toe and we know it's structural and you the only way to correct it is to, to do surgery. Mm-hmm. So that really gets a lot of times I get on there and I'm like you should be sued blah, blah blah and they block me but what is something um when you look at TV or you see some advertisement and you see something about hair care that just really gets you.
0: Well I think this Spans across a, a number of different things. That um, there's a lot of hubris out there, where you know people will sell you a, a bill of goods or sell you wolf tickets, as my mom used to say, <laughs> um, and still says. So, but there's a lot of stuff. Like I mentioned, there's the do grow and there's Dr. Miracles. Well, we have to understand what is it actually doing. There's nothing really that is going to increase the speed at which your hair grows. It has its its regular speed. People think, oh, if I take prenatal vitamins or if I, you know, maybe that makes things better. Well, pregnancy itself allows the hair to have a longer growth phase, and that's why we see hair grow it, the way that it does during pregnancy. But it's not the actual vitamin. So if you are having – if you're, you're taking medications or you're, you're – uh, Deficient in certain nutrients, and yes, you can slow down hair growth with that. But I think there's a lot of promises that are made, and you know, with the, the fantastic advertising that's out there, we're you know we're just looking for something that'll help us and help us fast. The other thing that also really bothers me is that I don't feel like the uh, cosmetology community and, and the hairdresser, uh, hairstylist community is very well educated on the diseases of the scalp. There are a few out there who know a lot, but, um, you know, with trichology, the training isn't always very consistent with that. And so you, you may not quite know what you're getting, although there are some out there that are fantastic. Um, and, you know, but I think sometimes there's a lot of people who are blowing smoke at people or at their patients, their clients, and, you know, or they'll hide something. I've had somebody, you know, people who've had their hair just combed a different direction or, oh, I'll just put a piece in here. And then finally they go, well, why didn't you tell me that my hair was falling out? It's six years later and there's very little I can do or nothing I can do to bring that hair back. So that's my biggest pet peeve is just all the smoke that's out there. And it's hard to figure out where the smoke and mirrors end. but that's why I'm here. I'm here to help people.
1: (laughs) Earlier, the better. So if you know that there's something wrong, just go and see a dermatologist. Don't, it's best to try not to fix it yourself. Right right and go see a board
0: certified dermatologist who is familiar with our hair i think that the the training is becoming much better in issues of hair growth but there were a lot of questions and things that i answered as the sole black resident that people just didn't know you know i had one person ask well you know do y'all use hot glue on your edges when you put the, oh. when, you, when you glue the tracks down? Oh and I just stood there horrified. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, of training issues around, you know, surrounding, surrounding dermatology, but I think that the uh, the training is getting a lot, lot better and that people are are more comfortable. But seek somebody out who looks like you. Seek somebody out who, who understands your hair. Seek somebody out who may have actually walked that, that journey with you. So um, yeah, I think it's important to, to get answers early. And my job as a dermatologist is to get it to grow out of your head. And then we start working together and maybe working with a hairstylist to come up with the best ways to keep it attached so that it does not break
1: off. Okay. So your job is to make it grow out of the scalp. Our job yes. is to keep it there right you
0: have to keep it there so if you're (laughs) if you're at home pulling it out or you are brushing it roughly or you are are putting you know you're dying it a different color every month or you're dying on top of a relaxer relaxers are just awful for our hair they're really really stripping um and they reduce the, the tensile strength of our hair which is already weaker than other uh other races of hair uh so, yeah, so you have to keep it attached to your head, and I'll try and walk you through some of those things to, to get you started, but yeah, you got to keep it attached. My job is to make sure the hair and the skin, because your, your scalp is, your, uh, is skin as well, make sure that's healthy and it's able to grow the best hair possible. What's the best way to keep our scalp healthy? Best way to keep our scalp healthy. First off, we do have to wash our hair. I have some people who are washing their hair every two months or something like that. Um, We do need to get some water on our hair. Get some of that oil and the dirt and the pollen and all that stuff off of your your scalp. But um, really just keeping it, making sure that it's not too dry, it's not too oily, and um, that it's not itching. If you have itching, rash, uh, anything going on up there then get the to a dermatologist as soon as possible and, and try to get that addressed quickly. Cause I do see inflammatory conditions of the scalp, which just refers to different rashes and those rashes lead to you itching. Therefore you scratch out your hair and it breaks off or okay. those rashes lead to poor hair growth and the hair that com- comes out just isn't healthy and is
1: not strong and it breaks off too. So to be clear, we don't need to put oil on our scalp. If, if we have an issue where we see dryness or patches or flaking, see a dermatologist. But otherwise, if we want to keep our scalp moisturized, mm-hmm. is there such an animal? And if so, what do <laughs> we do? Uh, do you just, do you maybe sheen the hair itself? Or what would you suggest? Generally,
0: I suggest that you know most people most people can get away with just using the oils that are naturally produced by their scalp so um, if you oil your hair or you you moisturize your hair a lot of times that will drip southwards towards the scalp as well so you don't need to put oil and and moisturizers directly on the scalp so um, yeah that's a, a fine approach to that the other thing to consider and this is a little bit you know it's just extra when people put a lot of oils right next to their scalp, it tends to melt because it is, you know, you're, you're hot. And then that's what leads to acne right along the hairline. We actually call it pomade acne, just referring to the fact that people put that stuff on their their edges to hold the edges down, it melts, it clogs the pores. And so you're trying to fix one problem and you're creating another. So we have to be cautious of that.
1: Now let's talk about shedding. Now, when you have your hair braided and you take your braids down, there's a lot of hair there. Is That normal? That there's is absolutely
0: normal. It is. It is so normal, and uh, it's hard because you you nobody wants to look in the sink and see a whole bunch of hair follow, or hair that's in the sink. You you put your hair in this beautiful protective style. And your goal was to get more hair and it looks like you have less, but we are expected to lose hundred to 150 hairs a day. That's normal. So even if you, if you're like myself, I I wear natural hairstyles very frequently. And so I might do a a twist up and then I don't touch it for seven days or five days. I'm looking at five to 700 hairs coming out while I'm combing my hair. That's normal. If you put your hair, hair up in braids and we don't see it for six weeks, ooh, okay, we're looking at 4,200 hairs that were wrapped up in there and should be coming out. So those are things that you should expect. You should expect some uh, some shedding, absolutely, and that's normal. Now, if you find that you're getting a lot of breaking or broken hairs, those are the ones that don't really have the little ball on the end or they're really, really short or multiple lengths, that's a completely different issue and that refers to that the hair is not healthy itself.
1: Okay. Let's move it to the face. Let's talk mm-hmm. about our eyebrows. A lot of us like to wax and thread and mm-hmm. stuff. and I've done both. I've, I've, I have I don't get my eyebrows done. I maybe get my eyebrows done every couple of months. I like a full brow. I don't get much taken off. But mm-hmm. I have been burned before oh. getting my uh, eyebrows waxed. Now I won't do that again. But what do you, what is your take on that waxing, threading, micro the microblading? Is that what they do now? Yeah, microblading is just a way that people use a a
0: tattoo to make it look fuller. And I think all of them are fine modalities to get the eyebrow that you're you're looking for. They're okay. Um, I'm I have shaved my eyebrows to get the you know just to shape them up. I frequently get them waxed and I'm so glad before this, uh, you know, this uh, quarantine and uh, self-distancing thing hit, uh, I did get my eyebrows done so they, they still look pretty good. So um, I understand that people do wanna get their eyebrows shaped. But with waxing and threading, that's just another way of pulling your eye hairs out. And remember we were talking about traction, tension, alopecia, it's the same thing. I've seen patients who kind of grew up in that 90s era where the pencil thin eyebrows were really popular and they actually have traction alopecia of their eyebrows because they constantly pulled them out. So you wanna be cautious about, you know, are you going to take off all of your hair and are you gonna do it a lot? Because maybe when you want them to be full, they're not going to grow. Um, as far as microblading, microblading is a fine thing to use so uh, microblading, it, it, it looks great, but whoever you go to, you wanna make sure you love who's doing it because especially on black skin to remove that tattoo is very difficult because the color of the, the tattoo is so similar to the color of our skin. And so sometimes it's hard to target it properly with a laser. Now microblading is high up in the skin. It's, it's not deep in the skin, so it tends to fade over time. You have to get it redone, but you want to make sure whoever's doing it for you knows exactly what they're doing. You might even consider some other things. I've written for patients to use Latisse, the eyelash thickening
1: yeah, medication. I to ask
0: you about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and they've used that on their eyebrows to get them to grow a little thicker. It just might be something else that, you know, for the people who have those thin eyebrows and they're trying to fill them in, then, you know, that's something to consider.
1: But I've used it on my lashes for it. It works really well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, dispel a couple of rumors for me. Mm -hmm. Wives' tales. You pull a gray hair, you get two back. You shave your facial hair, ladies, and it'll grow back thicker. Tell us that's not true, doctor. Yeah.
0: As far (laughs) as that gray hair myth, So if that one was true, I'd have a head full of gray hair because I don't have that many gray hairs, but I sure do pull them when I see them. So I'm sure my hairdresser is going to get on me for that. But yeah, I pull them (laughs) out and two have not appeared in their place. It just comes back and grows and it tries again. So um, I'm hoping that one gray hair gets traction, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) So just don't grow. Haven't you gotten the picture? But uh, yeah, you don't get two gray hairs in its place. It it just grows back a new hair follicle. It'll start the whole growth cycle over again. For thickened hairs, once you shave them, that's a a big one that we see. The hairs do not actually thicken up when you shave them off. You're actually cutting them blunt with the surface of the skin. So when they grow out, now they have a blunt edge and you're seeing more of that cross-section of hair. So it looks thicker. Whereas as time goes on, with just normal face washing and doing your uh your your normal facial treatments, the hair ends tend to become more tapered. And so that's why they they look a little more obvious right when you cut them as opposed to shortly thereafter. But no, it doesn't make your hair grow in thicker. It doesn't make more hairs grow or anything like that. Definitely a wives deal.
1: Let's talk about our girlfriend area. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you the hair of my girlfriend area is a lot different than the hair on my head and my arms. So um I can shave and I'll have a shadow uh the same day so I have tried laser did not work for me and I did it on Groupon mm-hmm. so, so I, don't, mm-hmm. I got you know and I should have known better because I didn't ask what type of laser they were using I just said oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, just go and get this Groupon deal and, and get my cookie done and I didn't do <laughs> a goddamn thing so talk to us about that hair in the girlfriend area and lasering and all that good stuff. So these are all great questions
0: and I see a lot of patients who are looking for laser hair removal. The, there are lasers that are, are better and safer for use in skin of color. However, anybody even with the right laser can use it in the wrong fashion. So you wanna make sure whoever you're seeing knows what they're doing. Ask questions, ask for pictures, ask for endorsements. So make sure you know they know what they're doing. So um, the two laser types that are most commonly used for laser hair removal in skin of color are the ND laser and the diode laser. There are some people who use the IPL laser, and we do have an IPL at our office in addition to the ND YAG, but that's better suited for lighter skin patients. So because that one sometimes can, you know, the, the color of the hair is the target for the laser, and the IPL doesn't do as well to distinguish the color of your hair versus that of your skin, and you're at much higher risk for burning. Or they can't turn it up high enough to actually kill off the hair without risking burning your skin, whereas we have a much higher safety margin with the diode and the NDAG.
1: So to be clear, because, mm-hmm. there, you know, what stopped me from doing it before is that, People would say it doesn't work on black skin. You can't remove hair on black skin. Black skin, black skin, black hair is recalcitrant to lasering. And that's not true. Right.
0: So almost all hair that gets lasered off is going to need a touch up at some point. But if it's done well, the vast majority of people will see an improvement in or a reduction in their hair growth and improvement in what they want to see. And so I've gotten laser hair removal done. I've had the, the single whisker that my son found three years ago on my chin, and I lasered <laughs> that off the next morning. And I've done my armpits and my lady area. So all of these areas are are very well susceptible to laser. The hardest area I feel to get with laser is the upper lip because those hairs are very very fine, and so it's a smaller target for the laser to to concentrate its energy on, and so those hairs don't respond nearly as well when you have those fine, you know, kind of uh, you know goose down hairs that are just on the the sides of the chin or the upper lip, but
1: everywhere else responds great. So, what are some things that may cause um, failure? of the lasering to work, things that we do, the mistakes that women make before they come in and get their laser Oh,
0: absolutely. So remember I said that the laser has to target the color of the hair. So you want to shave the the hair flat with the skin. You could do it the night before. Uh, Shave the hair flat with the skin. You don't want to leave the hair long because then the laser technician or the physician will have to shave it for you. And the reason why is because then the laser will target the hair above the skin and you'll smell the hair burning, but the hair, the the area underneath the skin, the bulge and the stem cells where the hair is starting to grow again, that's not going to be targeted and the hair will continue to grow as normal. You Uh, also don't want
1: to, pardon me? Do you want to shave it completely off bald or just low enough? Does there have to be some hair for your laser? Oh no,
0: it's not like well waxing where you have to leave a rice grain length of hair. No, you can shave Uh it flat with the skin. Okay. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to use a depilatory because that starts to dissolve the hair underneath the skin. And so it can be hard to tell where the hairs are and you may dissolve it to the point that there's not enough for the, the laser to focus on. And you definitely don't want to wax, pluck, uh, or thread the hair because that removes the entire hair from its follicle and there's nothing for the laser to target. On an aside to that, I just want to add if you have gray hairs, you know, a lot of women get their whiskers done um, that come up. If you have gray hairs, you actually have to get um, electrolysis because the laser doesn't have color in the gray hair to target. So you'll have to get each one uh, done with electrolysis
1: instead. Uh, Now, how many treatments are typical to get uh, your cookie lasered?
0: Well, you want to be cautious and perhaps not seek out the person who says, well, I can name that tune in three sessions. So um, because you, you want to be cautious with our skin, even as I said before, the right laser in the wrong hand still can be dangerous. So I tell patients, let's go. You plan for six to eight sessions to get, you know, about a 90%, 80 to 90% reduction in hair growth. Um, and most people even get to a hundred percent reduction. And then later on, they may get their, their touch-ups a year or two later or beyond. Yeah, are they so, pretty expensive? So there's so many different people out doing laser hair removal. It depends upon the expertise of the person. If you're, you're going to kind of one of these you know, shops that there's a million laser hair removal patients a day. You don't know, always know what you're getting. You might get a different esthetician or a different physician each time, if you even get a physician. So, um, yeah, it, it the cost can vary. It just depends upon the expertise that you're getting. So you, usually a physician or uh, a well-trained laser technician is going to cost more.
1: So you don't recommend us going on Groupon and getting those, right? <laughs>
0: The the main reason for Groupon being a problem in living social is because you can get a really nice package. Maybe you get six treatments for $700 or $500 or whatever, a great deal they're offering. But as a a lay person, most people don't understand what is the proper laser for their skin. And I've seen places that it really just seems kind of clear they just got a new laser in and the, the salesperson told them, oh, yeah, this does laser hair removal. So they're trying to drive traffic to their office, but they they don't know how to solicit the right traffic. And I've written letters for people who have bought a laser hair removal package, and then they find out that they're using the IPL laser. Well, the IPL laser is the the biggest one that we see some burning and discoloration, because if you turn it up high enough, you might kill off the hairs but then you also might create a burn and a big dark spot in its place. So, um, and so that it's not the best laser for our skin. And so I've written notes to get people out of it. So I would be very cautious or ask your dermatologist, Hey, you know, do you do hair removal and you know, what kinds of, uh, pricing packages do you offer? Or I'm looking at this, this particular deal. Do you
1: think that it's a good one for me? Okay. What about, um, we got to give a little something for the guys. Mm-hmm. Men and hair loss, you know, it's a very sensitive thing, especially if you're young, you're 20s and 30s and you have hair loss. Is there hope for men who lose hair, who, I mean, you know, have um, pattern baldness? We have what to remember they- that, yeah,
0: there's, there's plenty of things that they can do. Um, but again, it's about addressing it early. So male and female pattern hair loss has a similar uh, construct. The underlying issue is just a change in the hormonal environment of the scalp. And so that's that hormonal environment is not supporting hair growth the way that it usually does. And so those hairs, they don't immediately disappear. They just shrink. And at first they shrink. And then eventually you won't see them at all. Men tend to get the temp. To thin out and then the, the middle of the hair thins out, and then those, the hairline starts to recede and connects with the middle, and you get that cul de sac. So, um, <laughs> whereas women, we tend to keep our hairline, but right behind that area is where you see that generalized thinning. So, those are, um, you know, that. So, as far as treating either one of those types of hair loss, starting early, Rogaine or Minoxidil is something you can get over the counter but there are other treatments. For men, we often prescribe a medication called finasteride, which is a pill. There were some concerns about it years ago, but we've used it successfully since then, and and most patients tolerate it very well. Women sometimes were able to get away with using spironolactone, which is an old blood pressure medication, but we use it for that, just to to try and encourage that hormonal environment to be more more, uh, favorable towards growing hair. Again, minoxidil, there is a newer treatment out called plate, platelet-rich plasma therapy, and people are probably more familiar with that treatment in the context of uh, vampire facial because it's the same yeah. process. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so what we do is we, we draw your blood, we spin it down and get rid of the red blood cells, and what's left is the plasma, and that has a lot of growth factors in it that support hair growth. And so we take that plasma and we re-inject it, in, or re-inject it back into you, into your scalp. And the good thing about this is since it's you injecting in, or injected into you, there's little to no risk of uh, you know, rejecting it like a, another horn, organ or something like that. So, um, but it can be very, very pricey, but it works for, for female and male pattern hair loss. So, so but the, any of these things need to be started early because if you wait long enough, the hair's not going to respond anyway.
1: Right. That was going to be my question. So once a man starts to notice that his hair is receding or there's something different, they, they, he should see a dermatologist right away. So
0: I would say start off with Minoxidil. See your dermatologist. Make sure you have somebody on board who knows what they're looking at. Be careful with those edges, too, because, guys, you don't want your, your barber uh, you know, cutting out your, your edges or cut, lining up your hair too much to the point that you don't grow hair very well there either. So, but yeah, get some help. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. I think people forget that dermatology is a study of hair, skin, and nails. It's not just skin. It's, you know, we do a lot. We see a lot of patients with hair issues. And so that's the person you should seek out
1: if you need some help. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Carter. And how can our listeners contact you? Sure. Well,
0: I have been in practice at Innovative Dermatology for about five and a half years now. And so if you need some help, I'd be happy to help you. And we're also doing telemedicine appointments with this COVID-19 crisis that's going on. But you can give us a call at 214- 919-3500. You can always find me online. Our website uh, to the practice is innovative-dermatology.com. But my personal website is www.carterdermatology.com. I also post quite a few things on my Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter and you can follow me there at Dallas Skin Doc that's my handle Dallas D-A-L-L-A-S Skin S-K-I-N Doc D-O-C Dallas Skin Doc and uh, I'd love to see you there and uh, answer any questions that y'all
1: might have again thank you Dr. Carter and if you are listening and you've been listening you can hear just a little bit of Dr. Carter on the second episode of Purgatory with Dr. Michaela. She's such a cutie pie, and <laughs> she, yeah, well, I, she, I have her all over my social media. So uh, you, you got to see her. She's she's a gorgeous doctor, but she's taken. And we will <laughs> be am. having Dr. Carter back. We'll be talking about lots of different things. And and if you want to uh, also you don't want to, uh, you better listen to my podcast, but you can also <laughs> catch this on her. She's going to be putting this on her social media as well. So you can hear it on her website or, or Facebook and, and anything else. So again, thank you. And I thank you for walking it with Purgatory with Dr. Michaela. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Take care.